everyone. Welcome to Nerds of a Feather, a place where nerds flock together to talk about all things fun, creative, and nerdy. I'm your host, Parker Randalls. I'm your co-host, Mark Williams. And I'm your co-co-host, Noah Helsey. Thanks for joining us. Long ago, the four nations lived in harmony. <laughs> yeah. We're doing Everything the Avatar changed. episode. We're doing the Avatar episode. As we said last week, we're going to be talking about one of our favorite TV shows of all time, Avatar The Last Airbender. Um, great piece of work. Uh, so great piece good. Of- oh, it's, it's awesome. Noah would say that it is the greatest piece of art ever created, and some would agree. I would say that. <laughs> so we're going to be talking about Avatar The Last Airbender specifically. We're going to be talking about, uh, and hopefully we can cram all this in 45 minutes because we absolutely love this show. Uh, we're going to be talking about our favorite episodes and also our favorite characters. Uh, but before we do that, we want to give you a little bit of background. If you've never heard of Avatar The Last Airbender, which what are you doing? Um, <laughs> but Seriously, uh, <laughs> stop what it, you're doing. Turn this episode off. Go watch it. Come back. come back no and when we say watch it go watch all three seasons like don't don't come back and listen to this until you've watched all three seasons i know there will be spoilers it is on netflix i said that sometimes and i was wrong it's on netflix it is (laughs) so uh be sure to check it out if you have netflix um but anyway no why don't you give us a little background on avatar the last airbender and tell us a little bit about the show Sure. So I'm doing this off the top of my head. Fair warning, I didn't watch it till I was 21. So I don't, This none of this is firsthand experience from when it was coming out, but I believe it ran from 2005 to 2008. And I think, wasn't the third season like delayed halfway through? Like it, they yep. did the first half and then it like got canceled maybe, yep. but then it came back. But if you watch it, it's pretty remarkable how well it fits together that you really, you wouldn't know that, like there is a kind of a break in the middle of season three but you really wouldn't know that it was that way. Um, It was super loved and beloved at the time it came out. However, I don't think Nickelodeon fully like realized what they had on their hands while it was coming out because it seems like it's become even more popular with time because it was a animated kids show on Nickelodeon, which is usually, I mean, I don't want to like disparage Nickelodeon. It's literally the only Nickelodeon show I've ever watched. Um, sorry, that probably tells you a lot about my childhood. I was watching Veggie Tales and listening to Adventures in the Odyssey. I was a homeschooled Christian kid. You have to excuse my parents. They didn't even let me watch like The Little Mermaid. So anyway, but Avatar was really brilliant. And the level of detail in storytelling and some of the like really mature themes that it dealt with, I think were overlooked at the time that it was coming out or they weren't fully appreciated and so now all those kids who grew up with it like mark for example who watched it when it was coming out are all adults and are in their 20s and 30s and it's experiencing a resurgence right now especially on the internet if you go on instagram and look for avatar memes there's so many so many dank and juicy avatar memes out there they are delicious and it's on netflix Netflix is rebooting. They're doing like another uh, live action version of the show that's coming out soon. So it's kind of in a moment of resurgence right now, but it's always been good. So it's just great to see it like getting the like admiration and respect that it deserves because in Noah's, I was going to say strident opinion, but we'll go with humble opinion. 
it's the greatest art ever made. Sorry, Michelangelo and Leonardo, you have to step aside because Avatar is the greatest thing ever. And Mark, talk about what it was like experiencing it firsthand as a kid. Yeah, so I watched it growing up as a kid. Um, I don't necessarily remember exactly how I watched it. If I was like a little... I just remember watching it as a kid and I loved it. And so I grew up trying to watch every single week. Uh, I would like wait till it got posted on Nickelodeon because I didn't have cable. So I, or like cable television or anything like that. So I'd wait till it got posted online on Nick uh, TV back when they used to post them for free. Watch them while my parents were working because um, they owned a personal training studio. So I'd just be in the back office watching Avatar The Last Airbender. And as a kid, I was like, oh yeah, like just cool fire, air, water, earth, bending, like yeah like little kid brain but i did not realize the art that i was watching at the exact same time because it captures people on two different sides it has like the really cool like it's a kid show like it has a very surface level kid show that's very visually appealing and like aesthetically appealing and just like has a lighter side but then it also has like this depth that is also created um through the characters that as i watched it growing up or since I uh, got older, I was able to experience more and actually understand the depth and the emotional depth uh, since I got older. And one thing that's really cool about the bending system in Avatar is that it's deceptively simple, meaning that kids can grasp it really easily. So it makes kind of like Star Wars, how like kids will like put their hand out to like try to push people and like kids want to like have lightsaber duels and stuff. Avatar is very like simple to grasp the concept of you have the four elements. These are how this is kind of how it works. But if you watch the show as an adult and really analyze it, it's a remarkable how even the elements and the way that the people groups interact with the elements is a reflection of like what that people group is like. Like the earthbenders have a specific relationship with their element that is unique from the way the firebenders interact with fire and the waterbenders interact with water. And there's a whole episode about this where Iroh talks about it and I'm not going to spoil it for you. You should just go watch it. So Parker, why don't you tell us about your favorite character in your episode? Well, perfect. So um, without having to explain the entire show, uh, the whole show is centered around this person, the Avatar, the only person who can bend all four elements. However, uh, the Avatar in the show, Aang, is a 12-year-old boy who has not yet mastered all of the elements. And so, of course, he has to go and uh, get masters to teach him the different elements. Uh, and so my favorite character, which will lead into my favorite episode, uh, is Toph Beifong. <laughs> I don't have enough words. Uh, we don't have enough time. They said that I had to limit myself, and so I'm going to. But Toph Bei Fong, uh, I think, is a – I think in the show she's like 10 or 11. Yeah, she's really she's, young. She's, she's like really Aang, Aang's age, if not younger. Yeah, she's so – I think, yeah, so she's either 12 like Aang or 11. Uh, but she is a prodigy. Um, she is an earthbender who would later go on to create metal bending, which is something that no one had ever done before. Uh, but I think one of the cool things about Toph is she's actually blind. And so if you've seen the show, you're like, of course I know this, Toph's blind. But I think one of the things that the show did really well with Toph is one, they made a character who who had um, someone who was experiencing disability, who 
was not portrayed as weak or needy or on the opposite end where they just try to act like it's not a part of her character. Like she's like so much better than the blindness that she's just, it, it's not even there. So it, uh, they really created this nuanced character that could really explore her, um, her blindness without making it the core part of her personality. So when you describe Toph, you think of her as tough. You think of her as a, a like I said, a prodigy, a genius um, who happens to be blind. And I think that they did a really, uh, a really good thing with uh, her. And you can see later, uh, not just within Avatar, but you can kind of see the creators of the show. They also made a uh, dragon prince. Uh, I think later on one of the, the writers for the show and they, and they did a really good job similarly with characters who have these, um, you know, um, these disabilities that are nuanced. They're not, it's not, yeah, it's not the center part of their character. It's just something, it just shows a different part of that. And I think that for a, a child, cause I was the same boat as Mark, you know, I'm watching this when I'm really young. I think this was a really cool way to introduce children um, to people who might be deaf or blind. Um, yeah, I would agree. Or, or in, they even show uh, in the show similar, they have a, a boy who's paralyzed from the waist down, who is, just as active, but without, um, without, uh, you know, without essentially marginalizing the effect on the, uh, Toph's life, they show that. And so for a good example of this is, you know, of course, Toph is this legendary earthbender who creates metal bending, uh, and the fact that she, she actually creates metal bending because she is blind. She's able uh, to see with her feet. She uses yeah. earth to see. And yeah. so she actually is able to use kind of like a, not echolocation, <laughs> kind of like an, uh, but a, um, like when she's hitting the metal, she can actually fill the earth within it. And it's because she's so in touch with the earth because she has to rely on uh, bending so much just to see and do her day-to-day -day life. Um, she actually learns how to uh, metal bend, but then there's also instances where she's walking on wood and she, you know, she's relying on her, her, you know, her friends to kind of guide her because earth is not met, uh, or wood is not earth. And so she kind of needs that help. And so it's kind of the way that the writers portray her is that, you know, she is not, she is not badass in spite of being blind. She is someone who is blind, who is still badass. Right. And they don't yes. try to write that away. They, they try to show that, um, you know, people can be both. They, they aren't just one or the other. So I love Toph. Also, she's the best. Uh, if Aang was not the literal avatar, I would argue that she's the most talented bender on the entire uh, yes. show. She's so gifted, so powerful, so like she understands her element, I think, better than so many other benders on the rest of the show. Because she has to, like she's been forced to rely on it as a way of life, not just as a weapon, which is something that's really beautiful about the show is that bending is not just something you use to hurt people in battle but it's actually something that's an extension of the character's personality and the culture they grew up in yeah and i think noah i'm sure we'll talk more about this and, and mark about how uh the elements are an extension of the people and so toth is she stubborn uh but also reliable and loyal and a good friend um and, and you know uh yes <laughs> and hilarious she's she's i think she's super funny uh, as ira would say she's a person of substance and so yes uh, <laughs> she has some of the best clapbacks in the entire show yes so um, i'm blind why do you guys keep showing me pictures and stuff i can't see them <laughs> <laughs> they just forget because she literally can make entire like boulders float with her mind her 
her, her, her spirit. I don't know. <laughs> However it works. However it works. So my favorite episode going into that is called The Chase. And so basically this episode takes place, uh, the episode previously, Toph uh, runs away from her family who, because she was blind, her family had always treated her with uh, kind of, uh, you know, for lack of a better way of describing it, little kid gloves on. So that they were concerned because she was blind and they thought that uh, she was, un, you know, she was not able to take care of herself. And so, of course, you later find out in that episode is this uh, this champion of this underground fighting <laughs> best Earthman so, there. So, <laughs> and so, so funny. Oh, it's awesome. It's just a reference to WWE, and it's so oh, well the done. The boulder. It's so, it's so cheesy, but, like, on purpose. Like, it's making fun of how ridiculous wrestling culture is. It's amazing. So that's the episode before Toph joins them. The next episode, uh, you know, Toph came from the Beifong family, which is, like, one of the wealthiest families in the, uh, the Earth Nation, and so the Earth Kingdom. And so she is still kind of spoiled. And she doesn't really mesh well with the group initially because she's just kind of there. She's like, I'm going to teach Earthmending. I'm not going to contribute anything else to the group. Like she's like, I'll take care of my own food. I'll take care of my own, uh, like my own tent. She makes her own earth tents and stuff. Like she's not there to really contribute. And so this causes friction. While all this other friction is happening, they are also being chased by a mysterious, uh, mysterious uh, tr like train car, but it doesn't run on tracks. It's just chasing them. And so they, are getting more and more frustrated um, both within the group, but also at this, this entity uh, chasing them. And eventually Toph decides to go um, her separate way. And so she ends up leaving the group. And so the group is still running from uh, this mysterious train. And as Toph is journeying back, going back to her family, she actually runs into another character of the show uh, Uncle Iroh, and I won't talk too much about Uncle Iroh, uh, but he's definitely, if you've seen the show, he's probably one of the most beloved figures within the show. Uh, even if you haven't seen it, you've probably seen quotes or seen drawings or something. He's a fairly recognizable character, uh, Uncle Iroh, but she has a, as often happens, she had a heart-to-heart -heart with Uncle Iroh, uh, realizes that, um, Toph realizes that she needs to contribute more to the group, uh, be more a part of the team if she's going to uh, help Aang learn earthbending. So she returns. They actually figure out that the mysterious train is Azula and May and Ty Lee who are chasing uh, the uh, the Aang gang. Um, and Toph helps Aang. Ward. Aang. <laughs> Aang. <laughs> As uh, online. Toph helps uh, fight them off and they come to this uh, reconciliation uh, where Toph is more a part of the group. Uh, they realize that they do need each other. And I think that they don't just, this isn't the good, I think the one really cool thing about this episode, it's not a one-off where a lot of shows where they have like this, they're like, well, I actually do need the group. And then it, the character goes back to acting like a jerk the rest of the time. And you just act like that episode never happened. Toph, you can see that Toph is more considerate of the group. You can tell in, even in her rough and tumble way, uh, she is still, you know, trying to take care of the group. She does pull her weight. Um, and I think that that, you know, if nothing else, just as a general statement of Avatar, I love that the show never does just these weird one-off episodes of character development where it doesn't matter later on. Because you see that happen a lot in all forms of television. Um, but in Avatar, when they learn a lesson, it sticks. And so I love Toph. I love the chase. Uh, she's a ton of fun. Uh, go check her out uh, on Avatar The Last Airbender. There is but no I character that's ever been that is more suited to the 
description of rough and tumble. She literally like throws yes. rocks. Like she causes rocks to tumble. Like it's perfect. Yeah. And she's also a 10 year old girl who is like the shortest person in the group by she's I mean, so small. She's so, so small. <laughs> and she's terrifying. You would never so mess tough. with her. She's perfect. I love top. Uh, speaking of Uncle Iroh, though, Mark, My... tell us a little bit about him and your favorite episode. Yeah, so Uncle Iroh is definitely my favorite character in the entire show. Um, he is the best dad of all dads <laughs> ever to exist. Like he is so kind and gentle and wise, but also has this fierceness. Darth Vader would like to have a word. <laughs> <laughs> we'll oh, see. My. But um, like he has this. Sorry, I meant Mufasa. Sorry, my bad. <laughs> uh he he has this fierceness that like you hear about like in all the earlier episodes you hear about like the great dragon or like the dragon how, of the west is the what dragon of the, the west. dragon of the west you hear about the dragon of the west and how he was this legendary um officer in the fire nation and you hear about all his uh escapades and then all of a sudden he just mellows out he becomes super wise and all this, but you still hear this past of him being a super powerful bender. Anyways, the thing with Iroh that I love the most is he he's the one with Zuko the almost the entire time and is basically the real dad of Zuko. He's the one who's with Zuko as he's going through his good times and his hard times as he's trying to seek his get his honor back or what he thinks is his honor or, and he's with them just through it all. Um, so he's probably the most consistent character. I did write down some quotes because Iroh is known for his one-liners and his just wisdom that he speaks through uh, the entire show. Um, I received this. Uh, it's important to draw wisdom from many different places. One of the, Great lines. Uh, sharing tea is fascinating with a fascinating stranger is one of life's true pleasure, uh, true delights, which changed tea to coffee. And I 100% agree. Uh, and then we talked about it a little bit of like him describing the fire, like the uh, different elements. And I actually wrote down that quote um, fire is the element of power. The people of the fire nation have a desire and, and the will and the energy and drive to achieve what they want. Earth is the element of substance. The people of the Earth Kingdom are diverse and strong. They are persistent and enduring. Air is the element of freedom. The air nomads detach themselves from worldly concerns and found peace and freedom. Also, they have pretty. Uh, also, they apparently have pretty good senses of humor. That's exactly <laughs> how he says it. And it's totally Zuko. Literally, just stares at him for like two seconds after he says it. Yes, like, it's it's wonderful. Anyway. And then water is the element of change. The people of the water tribes are capable of adapting many things. They have a sense of community and a love that holds them together through anything. And so Iroh understands bending as a whole. Like he understands all the different types and what they mean and like delivers wisdom through like literally that first line I said, it's, uh, it's important to draw wisdom from many different places. He does that through the entire show. He invents how to redirect lightning through using an water bending technique. He 
talks about like redirecting it through the belly because instead of through the heart and he got that through water bending so he takes something that is not his culture adapts it and uh, adapts it to his style of bending which i think is so cool um and then he has this great line pride is not the opposite of shame but its source true humility is the only antidote to shame um there's just so many so many one-liners from him yeah i feel like it, just to describe his character all you have to do is just read quotes and by the end you're like i get it he's awesome <laughs> pretty much uh, then this is an exchange that I wrote to Azula, did I ever tell you how I got the nickname Dragon of the West? Azula, I'm not interested in a lengthy uh, antidote, uh, however you say it. Anecdote. Uh, Anecdote, thank you, Uncle Iroh. It's more of a demonstration, really. Breathes fire. Literally breathes fire. Wonderful. And then in the third season, he gets captured, put in a cell, and what you don't, and he just starts working out, and what you don't see is him actually breaking out, and like, all you see is Zuko, because Zuko was trying to go rescue him and um, got there and he, he broke himself out of jail already. And all the guards were saying is like he was a terror. We did not see this coming. Like it's like fighting an entire army, but you don't see it at all. It's kind of great that it's off screen because it makes it even more legendary somehow. It's wonderful. Yes. OK, talk so, about your episode because yes. it's so good. So, my episode I'm talking about, as soon if those who have seen Avatar the Last Airbender, as soon as I say the title, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It is Tales of Bossy Say. It is in Season 2, Episode 15. And it is probably one of the greatest episodes and most heart-wrenching episodes. And uh, I don't know how else to put it into words besides fantastic um so it's a it's not a full true episode it actually has like little it's more of a episode of shorts that follows different storylines um and this is the first time we actually understand iroh's pain and actually see like what he's gone through and why he just a slight glimmer of why he is the way he is now i am going to focus on specifically iroh's uh segment and uh that short um but there's Toph and katara where Toph is talking about how she didn't feel girly uh because of being blind but yet she like still wants to feel girly but yet tough at the same time uh tale of ang while he's he's searching for appa he ends up building a zoo uh tale of Sokka, where he falls into a haiku battle uh, on accident and gets kicked out because the, his last line has one extra syllable. So uh, the tale of Zuko, he basically takes a girl out on a date, which is huge character development so uh, for that character. That girl. <laughs> Say that again, Parker. Should have ended up with that girl. Dude, she, she was, was so, so good. She's so sweet. I loved Dude, her. When, anyway. when she looked at him in the thing and she was about to risk it all, I was like, <laughs> i was like oh my god <laughs> yeah so sweet and then there's the tale of momo where momo tries to find appa um and saves um a few animals along the way um but what i'm going to focus on is iroh it is four minutes and 17 seconds long i of did perfection of perfection perfection 
Uh, I like it so much. I ended up writing a short story or no directing a short film from it that I did in the art college that Noah Helsey. I was the star of that. I forgot about this. You were the star of it. So I wrote, I made a short film based off of very loosely based off of uh, the leaves from the vine Iros segment. And so basically what it is, is he goes through his day helping these different characters. He helps uh, a store owner by moving a plant into shade because he said that plant uh, does best in shade. There's a kid who's crying, so he plays an instrument to soothe the kid. Uh, He tries to get mugged, and he ends up giving the mugger correction because he was like doing it with bent knees, terrible technique, and he just like, you're going to fall right over and he beats him up and then shows him how to properly mug people he doesn't really beat him up he just kind of pushes him over gently and then helps him yes and then uh sits down with him over a thing of tea which is tea is iroh's staple it's his thing man it's his thing um and he convinces him to be a masseur a uh person who gives massage massages and um a masseuse and he the guy was like no one's ever believed in me before he's like sometimes you need help along the way that's one of his many great quotes then he does all these nice things and then he goes up onto this hill in front of this tree he opens up his backpack he's laid down his cloth and puts out a picture the picture of his is of his son lu tin who died in the siege of bossing say which is funny because he's inside the area uh, that he was trying to siege. Um, but he tried to siege for, I forget how many years. Was but, it, he was the only one to breach the walls, though, is what's crazy. Yeah. Uh, but good. they sieged, uh, it was in Bossing Say, and it was his son's birthday that day. So he sets up his son's picture, puts out two things of incense, and starts weeping and saying, I wish basically the summary of like, I wish I could have been there for you too and helped you too. Um, because his son died, and then you hear uh leaves from the vine, which is the one of the saddest gut like mm-hmm. you you get to there and it just hurts because you're just like, Oh, it's so good. It's one of my favorite episodes because of that reason, because you see the real reason why Iroh calmed down from being the dragon of the West this great conqueror to his son died and to this humble, wise man that we know and love um, that later on becomes more the dragon of the West. Like he balances out again. So that is why Iroh's my favorite character. That's why Tales of Bossing Say is my favorite episode. It's just so good. It's so good. Yeah. Well, Noah, I know you've been eagerly awaiting your opportunity to tell us about your favorite character and favorite episode, so please enlighten us. So my favorite character is Suki, who's perfect. She's a, <laughs> she this is a, actually people fans of the show will know exactly what I mean when I say she is a warrior and she is a girl because that's exactly how she introduces herself in the first episode. She's this super strong female character who confronts one of the main male characters about how sexist he is. This is like four episodes in this, this show pulls no punches. It just like pulls no punches. It just deals with everything. Genocide. 
Yes. Episode three, mass genocide. Episode four, sexism. Episode, I mean, the whole, like, it just, everything you can go through as a human is somewhere uh, experienced in this show. So she confronts him, and it's really sweet. Spoiler alert. It's really sweet because then they end up getting together at the end of the show, and she, they have such a, such a sweet relationship. And she's super strong, but also has this, like, kindness about her. And I have a crush on her and she's one of like 12 animated characters that I have crushes on. I'm not ashamed of that. I'm just like explaining it to you, but she's number one for sure. And if Suki was like a real life person and I would like want to marry her in real life. So anyway, I love her. I'm actually not going to talk about her though in my episode because Suki is one of those characters who actually doesn't have a lot of episodes. She's a recurring character, but she doesn't really become one of the like, main part of the main party till like the very end of season three there's an amazing episode arc where Sokka goes to like break her out of prison with his dad and it's it's wonderful but because episode season three is so good and it's so easy to talk about I mean we could have done a whole show just on the last episode just because of how brilliant it is you know or just the last uh just a couple episodes of season three I actually want to talk about an episode in season one which can often be overlooked because a lot of the like characters like Toph, a lot of the characters like Azula, who people love a lot, aren't even in season one because it was laying the groundwork for everything that was going to come after it. And so it's easy to kind of look at it as like less than, but I actually get really nostalgic about season one because there's this beautiful like thing of like, it was just the three of them for so long. Like it was just Aang and Katara and, um, and Sokka. Sokka. And almost like when you get to later it's like no one will ever know what it was like to just be the like it was just those those memories they have together are so special because like no one else was there with them it was just the three of them and then appa and momo that's it and so even some of those episodes where some of those characters aren't there or the world building hasn't really taken been fully fleshed out yet i still love those episodes and they can make me super nostalgic because it's like this is beautiful because without this foundation there wouldn't be an amazing season two. There would be no Toph. There would be no Azula. There would be no massive fight at the end of the show where everything comes to a head. And so the episode I want to talk about very briefly, I took three pages of notes on it. I watched it before we record the episode. I will probably share some of these notes in the post show because there's literally no way I could get through even like half of them with the time that we have here. So I'm just going to focus on four main points of why I love the Blue Spirit episode. The Blue Spirit episode comes right after the storm episode, which is important because that's where you get the backstory of Zuko, who's the main character I want to talk about, and Aang. And their stories are, I would say Zuko and Aang are probably the two main characters, even though Katara and Sokka have more screen time. Zuko is like the antagonist to Aang's protagonist. And the way that they sort of interact and like push against each other and cause tension is really what drives the show and ultimately leads to like the redemption at the end. But You've just heard Zuko's backstory and you've just heard Aang's backstory in the episode right before that. So in this episode, there are four things I want to talk about. One, the world building in this episode is unbelievable. So basically what happens is Sokka and Katara get sick and they're in an Earth Kingdom, like in a ruined Earth Kingdom, like part of the Earth Kingdom, but it's just a ruined city. There's a Badramol statue in, that's one of the first things you see in the episode is this Badramol statue. Later in the episode, Katara puts on a crown that has two dragons on it. I literally figured this out today. The whole fight scene at the end of the episode happens in moonlight. And then you have Appa. So you literally have all four of the original benders represented at some point in the episode. 
they're all there. It sets oh, up. Oh, yeah. know that. What? I, That's I, awesome. That's so cool. Badger so moles, moon, dragons, dragons and, and, and then awesome. sky bison. Air bison. Yeah. Sky bison. She literally puts, I, I, I had to pause it and take a picture of it. I sent it to you all in our like group message. She literally puts on a crown that has the two dragons and the sundial of the sun warriors right in the middle of it. It's great. I, I never noticed it before. And I just was like, my mind is blown. That's like they nuts. were setting up the third season in episode 13 of season one. They already knew where they were going with the episode. I know Parker's mind is blown. He's just like, you know, saying, like if you're listening to this, you got to understand like when they actually like the, so like Noah said, the original benders are sky bisons, which are literally giant bisons that fly badger moles, which are just giant earthbending badgers the moon you know the pool of the ocean the moon but then the dragons are of course the original firebenders but the dragons do not come in until like halfway late late season three wow that is visionary also in the library episode there's a picture of a dragon turtle i'm I'm sorry not a dragon turtle a lion turtle which is how ang learns energy bending and that's also set up in, in episode two season two anyway point being it's great. So the world building is amazing. Second thing about the world building is they introduce, so there's this whole kingdom, right? The whole ruined city. There are so many relics. You could pause. There was one scene where Momo keeps bringing Katara stuff when he, she wants water. And there's like a Jeep, like, like a lamp that looks like it's from Aladdin. And there's like all of these, like there's scrolls, there's all this stuff. And you're sitting there going, who lived here? Like where you like, it's obviously earth kingdom, but it's abandoned. And the woman who lives up on the mountain and sells and makes medicine, who's crazy. She's like a whole funny character to herself. She mentions that other people used to live here, but now they don't, but they never once explore it. They never once explain where those people came from, why they left. You assume it's probably because of the war with the fire nation, because there's a fire nation outpost like near where they're hiding, but it's just there. And they never, they never tell you why. They never revisit it and the elite group of archers that they created just specifically for this episode to capture Aang never come back again. So the show was so committed to its own excellence that they were willing to create an entire group of warriors and a whole, like build this whole area just for that one episode. And that happens multiple times throughout the show where they will build something and either never return to it again or like only return to it like a few times, you know, like they, like yeah. there might be only one, ep- one major episode that's there. And so what I love about that is a, it makes the world feel really big. It makes the world feel like really unexplored, even though, it, you know, you can literally look at the map and see where everything is because there's all of these mysteries that are unexplained and like that go unexplored. And it also makes it feel more authentic because like, if you watch, like I love Phineas and Ferb, for example, Phineas and Ferb is one of my, I love that show. But if you watch Phineas and Ferb, like the scene is the same, like there's a tree and they're standing there and like, you know what I mean? The animation can be replicated over and over again, where they're like basically showing the same thing. And then they're, you know, playing off of that. Um, they don't do that in Avatar, though. It's like every single episode is a little bit different and a little bit um, unique. So that's the first thing, world building. Second thing, the, the Zuko Aang relationship takes on a whole new level in this one. So Zuko who you know is a firebender and is the son of Fire Lord Ozai, was kicked out, has a scar on his left, the left side of his face. No, is it the right side of his face? No, it's the left side of his face, right? I'm pretty sure it's the left side. Yeah, if you're looking at it, it's the right side. If you are Zuko, it's your left side. And you have have emotional trauma. Yes, because (laughs) his father literally burned him and kicked him out of the Fire Nation for speaking out of turn. You know Zuko, like, is a decent firebender, but he's not, like, 
by any means the best. And as you find out later, he's like by far the least talented firebender's family. So in this episode, this blue spirit character is introduced. It's a dude with two swords and a mask. Like he's got a blue mask on. And he goes in after Aang gets captured and breaks him out of prison. And at the end of the episode, you find out it's Zuko. And what it does for his character, not only does it elevate him, it's just as a badass, like his level of what he can do is his like martial wow. arts is insane. He never bends one time throughout the entire fight because it would give him away as a firebender. He literally fights with these two swords against dudes who are throwing fire and have spears and stuff and holds his own. And they have this amazing, he, he breaks Aang out. And the reason he's doing that is because he has to capture the avatar, Aang, to regain his honor. So if someone else does it, then he won't get to regain his honor. So it's, it's, it's great storytelling because you understand why each character is doing what they are. So their mot- he's got a motivation to help Aang, even though what he really wants is to capture him. Well, and I think what's insane, no, just talking about pre- building later on it's it's never really explored a ton again but later on you kind of hear these whisperings of the blue spirit and how the blue spirit just keeps popping up across the fire nation the earth kingdom and and there there's this mythology built around like who is this mysterious figure like they're attacking like earth uh you know fire nation caravans and like they're taking information and all this stuff and no one can capture them and then you just figure out you know at the end, it's Zuko. Like, it's literally yeah. and he's using this persona just to... And so, like, everyone is terrified of the Blue Spirit. And that, that like, no, like you're saying, that just goes to show how incredibly talented he was in other ways and how detailed the world is. The fact that they would just keep, you know, the Blue Spirit didn't die in that episode. You keep hearing about him later on with the kind of this sense of mysticism and fear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a huge episode for Zuko. He, there's so many wonderful little details, like like one shot where it'll show his scar side of his face. And then the other side, it'll show like the other side of face. That's not scarred at different moments. And the effects that it has on he and Aang's relationship and how it sets up later episodes, such as the fire Lord and the avatar later in the season three, it it's so intricate, the level of storytelling and detail at the end of the episode. First of all, Zuko breaks him out of prison Aang, uh, Zuko gets shot, just stunned. He's not like injured or anything. He's just like knocked out. And Aang takes off his mask and realizes this is my enemy. But because Aang is the way he is, he can't leave him. So he yeah. take, he rescues Zuko after Zuko's rescued him, keeps him from getting captured. And they have this amazing scene at the very end where he says to him, I used to have this friend named Kuzan and we would get into all this trouble together but he was from the fire nation and he's talking about his life a hundred years before, whenever he like went to the iceberg, that's part of the first episode. Yeah. And he says, if I had been born then, if we had both been alive, then do you think we could have been friends? And Zuko like tries to blast him with fire and Aang flies off through the trees, jumps off through the trees. And Zuko, it just has this one shot and his, the only eyebrow he has, cause the other one's burned off just raises ever so slightly. And it's such a small detail, but like they didn't have to do that. They could have just left his face still, but even those little things, it's like, you're seeing that he wants, there's something deep inside of him that wants to change. But yeah. He can't allow himself yet to change and open his heart to the fact that he might be friends with this person at the very end. One of the lot, the very, like the second to last scene, I think, and goes back to Katara and Sokka, who are surrounded by all of these detailed relics that are just sitting there that Momo's brought them. 
and Sokka, delirious with the flu, essentially, asks him, Aang, how was your trip? Did you make any new friends? And Aang says, no, I don't think I did. And he just turns away from the screen and it cuts to Zuko. Dang. And it cuts to Zuko turning toward the screen, showing this side of his face first that isn't scarred. And then you ski the scar second. And then it shows the fire thing. So it's this, this tension. You can feel at the dual sides of him, the, the part of him that wants to be good and the part of him that wants his like father to love him. And it sets up their entire relationship in the third season is set up in that episode. The way they fight even together is set up in that episode because they work super well together and they're both super quick thinking and make all of these amazing decisions that we don't have time to detail at this point. Last thing I wanted to point out, I don't know if this was actually four or not. I might have combined three and four, but the last thing I wanted to point out is the only one of the four uh, vendors that isn't shown is the moon. The moon isn't shown directly, but the whole fight scene, most of the fight is cast in moonlight because it's happening at night. At the end of the first season, if you've seen the season, you'll know that the moon spirit dies. And then this other character, UA, like becomes the moon and restores balance to the world. So literally, the only it's you're in book one, which is called water. Water is the waterbenders learned from the moon. Moon is the original waterbender. So literally, the entire last part of the season one is about a literal blue spirit. So his character, who's named the blue spirit, that like a physical person wears a mask, there's a literal blue spirit at the end of the season. That is what restores balance to the world. Insane. The level of detail in this show constantly just blows my mind. Like some of these things that Noah just pointed out, I didn't even realize. Like you don't even see until your second, third, fourth watch through because it's just so, so detailed. And I'm not a film studies major. Like I just sat, I just love storytelling and writing. I just sat there today. This is like my fifth or sixth time to see that episode all the way through maybe. And I just sat there and and I was watching it and at some point like I have to take notes on this because I'm not going to be able to remember all these details. And so that's just me looking for stuff that might be interesting and picking up on all of those connections. And it's it's pretty wild. It's definitely a show that you have to watch for sure twice or three times because there's so many references through all three seasons. And then like you will see like just quick little glimpses from earlier episodes like what you just talked about to later episodes. And I'll be honest, it was a little hard for me to get through the first season when I first started watching it um, because it can be silly at times. But once you've, it's one of those things people just say, just if you could just get to season two, you'll like, because that's where a lot of some of the really lovable characters are really come in. But honestly, going back and rewatching season one with the whole show in mind, having watched the whole thing, it's just amazing how much they were setting up and how much detail they put into it and thought. It's just, it's excellent. It's just wonderful. Well, we definitely love the show. Uh, it's great. It, like they said, <clears throat> If you haven't had the opportunity, be sure to go on Netflix, check it out. Um, I think there are other ways to view it. Do you guys know? I think Amazon, um, like, I'm not sure. I think Amazon Prime, like, you can uh, order it. There's also a follow up series, Legend of Korra. You can buy it. You can buy it on YouTube. That's what I, I actually own it on YouTube, so I can just okay. watch it whenever. I bought it before I realized it was coming back to Netflix. It's fine. That was, I wanted to watch it then, so it was not a waste of 
it's never a waste of money to spend on Avatar. But there are other ways to purchase it if you want to. You can buy it on Blu-ray on Amazon if you like still watch things on actual physical copies, which is weird because who does that? But if you're if that's your thing, you know, maybe we'll just do a Blu-ray appreciation channel in the Discord. Maybe. I, mean, I, love, I love CDs, so I still buy CDs all the time. So be sure everyone to go check Airbender. Phenomenal show, phenomenal writing, phenomenal characters, a phenomenal time. Um, and be sure to check out next week because I think next week we're actually going to be talking about one of our um, each. Uh, and I say we, Noah, Mark, and I, we're going to be talking about our favorite fantasy book series. So we're going to be talking a little Ooh. bit about that. Um, yes. <laughs> so we're gonna. I'm gonna make Mark and Noah have you know a terrible time next week as they work through the emotional toil of deciding what their favorite. Uh, God, it's so hard. Uh, but we're super excited, um, and be sure to check it out. Hey, everyone, if you enjoyed the show, be sure to check out our Discord channel. That's where you can connect with other nerds of a feather, have fun conversations, and even suggest your own episode ideas. Discord members will be the first to hear about bonus content, including our soon-to-be infamous pre-show and after-show. If you want to get to know us better and create a community with other nerds, check out the link in the description below. Trust me, you do not want to miss it. Thank you.